Hey everybody, welcome to the Lead Volunteers Podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm the host. My name is Josh Denhart and we're super grateful that you're here. Hey, guess what? What we're going to talk about today is something that I am super passionate about. It actually has been a life-changing a life-changing concept. And I actually do a lot of ministry coaching across the country. And so I have Lead Volunteers, the course, but I also have Lead Volunteers Coaching, where people come in and we spend a significant amount of time one-on-one. I dial into their life, but I'm also passing on to them some tried and true principles. And this is one of those. So if anybody has ever gone through Lead Volunteer Coaching or any kind of coaching platform with me, you definitely have heard this before. This right here was born out of a very, very, very hard season. Something similar to what I'm sure you've gone through, right? Where you actually have to put up some blinders because it's just chaos and craziness around you. Now, what I'm going to tell you right now is that with the Lead Volunteers podcast, we want to dive right in, right? We want to dive into topics and concepts without a bunch of fluff. So we're going to get right to it. Now, I have to say that the title of this one could be N-O-P-E, Not Our Problem, Everyone, N-O-P-E. So here I was as a ministry leader. Um, I had a staff team. Uh, I, had, I had scores of volunteers. And I'm just going to take one topic that I was able to apply this N-O-P-E strategy to. I would sit at meetings that were not of my origination. I was sitting in a meeting and there were leaders and I would say that these meetings were being done to me and they were not very good. They were very poorly executed meetings. They did not have an agenda. They did not have um, a defined start time. The leader of the meeting often would show up late. It didn't seem like a priority. It was a a colossal waste of time. Now, if you're in your car or you're running or you're listening to this podcast, I imagine that you have been subjected to meetings, ministry meetings that just were very non-value giving. Jeff, mm-hmm. have you ever been there? Oh, amen. I remember a couple weeks into interning for my now senior pastor, but he was the youth pastor that I kind of grew up in the yeah, church sure. with and then started interning for him. And there was this meeting he had to go to for it was a planning meeting for the yes. next quarter. And he's like, Oh sure, Jeff, come on along. That'd be fun for you to see. And about an hour and a half into the oh, meeting, mercy. we had gotten through maybe step one of four of where this meeting was headed. And Mike looking over at me, the pastor just he's like, we got to get this guy out of here. We're going to, we're going to ruin him. We're going <laughs> to take away his heart for passion for ministry. If he thinks this is all it is. And so we both, he's like, stand up. Like, uh, Can I, we're in a meeting. Can I just, I can't just stand up. And he says, stand up. We'll, we'll both leave. So I stand up and he follows and I say, oh, what's going on guys? He's like, um, we, we've got a different meeting we got to go to and I just made it up now, but we got to go. <laughs> he didn't say he, that we just made it up now. Unfortunately he did. He, he says he, he knows better now that he's like, I probably shouldn't have said that, but he was trying to preserve my passion and heart for ministry because, because we were in one of those meetings. So in other words, ministry meetings can suck the life out of a person, mm-hmm. right? And so truth be told, I was in those very meetings and I couldn't stand up. Yeah, you leave. had to stay. Okay. <laughs> and, and it was and it was very frustrating. And so I got to tell you, I 
started to assume a very negative posture. My underwear were being tied tighter and tighter and tighter <laughs> into a wad and it was cutting off circulation to my brain. I started to get angry. I started to get mouthy. I started to just kind of be somewhat subversive because they were just that bad. Mm. And so after a little while of, of losing energy, Jeff, I was losing energy because of my frustration with these meetings. I had to have kind of a come to the Lord moment and reassess. And so what I did, what I determined is I have no influence as to how these meetings go. I am not the boss. I'm not the runner of that meeting. I can't expect them to be there on time. I can't expect them to come with an agenda. It ain't my meeting. Mm -hmm. But I was tired of living with rear wheel drive tires on my car and spinning, spinning ever so down into this like hole of hopeless abyss. Mm -hmm. And so what I decided to do was shift my drivetrain in a sense to a front wheel drive car and be very, very, very proactive. At first I would say, nope, it is not my problem that they don't know how to run a meeting. But then I began to observe the things that were frustrating about their meeting and I would then look at my very own meetings and I would simply make sure that none of those bad things were taking place in my meetings. And lo and behold, guess what? Hmm. I didn't have every aspect of the meetings that I ran completely tied down. How hmm. about that, huh? That's, that's kind of funny. I feel like, yeah, you could have very easily just sat there and but I'm, I've been guilty of this too. You sit there and like, this is the worst meeting I've ever been in. But if you were to plot out all of the things you do in your meetings and you might be like oh i have some people sitting in my meetings <laughs> yes! thinking the, exact, thinking same the thing. exact same thing and so rather than getting spun out i decided to in my opinion i was just trying to survive jeff because it was that bad mm -hmm. and so what i sought to do was to be as proactive as possible and i began to not not to look for the crappy things with their meetings but really to find a sense of empowerment and to literally make Sure that the the Bible says this, however you want to be treated, make sure you treat the people that way. Fair. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, okay, I cannot stand this. I want to make sure that nobody else under me ever feels this way. It was a tremendous sense of empowerment. Mm -hmm. So I started to make sure that I had agendas because I never was provided one. Mm -hmm. I started to show up on time because they didn't. Yeah. And you, you, I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is that you, you realize you didn't have control over everybody else's situation going on but there are the few things that you can control yes and uh, you were starting to kind of use this for lack of a better term bad example to help influence focus and influence what you were doing to make it better exactly. for the people you're leading so it went from n-o-p-e which is not our problem everyone i can't solve that it's not my problem and then i shifted to a, a healthier stance and i called it now listen i am concerned about many things i am responsible but for a few Mm -hmm. no, that's good. And so maybe the question is, how do you identify what those few things are that you're responsible for? Because I think in ministry, it's super easy to yep. feel like you've got to have a understanding and, and say in everything that's going on. Maybe in larger churches with larger staffs, yep. it's easier to kind of have pigeonhole and, yeah, and have uh, your own uh, yeah. thing. Um, but maybe a, a church with a smaller staff, it's easier to feel like Can. you have your hand in everything. I get so that. how do you ident identify the few? Okay, so so it really comes down to knowing my lane, knowing my job description, what ultimately 
what ultimately am I in charge of and what am I not in charge of? I'm going to give you a great example. So uh, years ago, there was another ministry leader who was mishandling volunteers egregiously. I mean, like just, I don't know. I don't want to go so far as to say abusive, but like just mishandling them and not loving them. So that's, I, I am super concerned about that because those people go to our church, right? And at some point they might be asked to serve in our area and they might have such a sour experience that they might not ever want to serve anywhere mm. ever, mm-hmm. right? So I, that I can, uh, I can think that I have a sense of responsibility to protect the greater flock. Slow down, bro. Nobody no other ministry leader, especially your your peers, right? So I was a director level person and this other director level person, I don't have any authority over them. I don't even, if I, if I have a relationship with them, maybe I could speak into that, but that's pretty dangerous waters. Mm-hmm. So what is, what is at the end of the day, what lives and dies and breathes and, and, and moves forward under my watch? So what are the few, um, what have I been given authority over? Here's the funny thing. Early on in ministry, I didn't have authority over very much, mm-hmm. but I continued to shine, spit shine, polish, even the undercarriage of this little teeny pinto car that I was given responsibility mm-hmm. over. I made that thing sing. And guess what? Over time, I was given another set of responsibilities, often, true story, taken from another ministry area who had been flubbing it up, okay? So my level of influence did grow, but what, like, I can't obsess about how the youth guy or how the outreach pastor is messing it up. I have no control over that. And if I try to exert control there, they're going to get mad at me and we're going to have a conflict relationally. Mm -hmm. So whatever I have authority over, those are the few things. Does that make any sense? It does. But I I do have this devil's advocate question that's rolling through my head. And I feel like there could be someone listening who might think, okay, so... Are you just saying that I should, if I see something going poorly, then I just have to turn a blind eye and ignore the potential problem? Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes I did because, because either I didn't have a strong enough relationship with that other leader to be able to speak into that, or it was more of a matter of opinion about how it should go. Gotcha. Okay. Kind of a, a methods issue, not a, a methods issue. issue. And I may, you know, I, I didn't want, as a young guy, to be viewed as somebody who thought that everybody should do it my way. Mm-hmm. That's not healthy. I mean, this dude's done ministry for 25 years. This is my second year in. However, I got to tell you, I was it was very clear to me that this guy was supremely mishandling volunteers. Mm-hmm. And so I did. I, I, I couldn't. It was going to be more harmful for me to address that. So painfully hear me out real quick this is what was getting me this is what was causing my underwear to get into a bundle because i was so frustrated by what i was seeing and i felt that i didn't have a voice to change it Mm -hmm. so i was either going to literally emotionally implode and i was in some ways or i could shift that energy toward working on my area focus on your few focus on my few absolutely so that changed everything for me Mm -hmm. and a question i have what what would you say the effects are on your ministry when you are worried about everything else that's going on outside of your control? Yeah, I think you're I think you're going to find yourself being a super arrogant jerk. <laughs> 
okay? Who to is, put it lightly. To put it lightly, <laughs> I think you're going to be walking into another area and be what I call a lint picker. Okay, Jeff, let me just dream for a minute. You've decided you're going to go out for a wonderful date with your fiance. You guys are going to go super formal, and you come downstairs. You look super dressed up, and I walk up, and I pick off a small piece of lint, and I basically find the thing that is wrong. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Don't be a lint picker, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Forget that. So if you all of a sudden come into somebody else's area that you have absolutely no authority over and you begin to lint pick and tell them what they're doing wrong, you're going to be pigeonholed and pinned as a guy who's got issues. Also, um, it's kind of the, the, the speck in your own eye versus the log. Wait, wait, the speck in your brother versus the log in mm -hmm. your own, Yeah, yeah. right? Focus on your stuff. Now I can tell you a funny story. Um, so I had that experience where I was super frustrated by meetings. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then I also was like, okay, this is going nowhere. You're going to implode. So I started focusing on our area and we really started having killer meetings. Now watch carefully mm -hmm. about truly about eight years later. I hadn't thought of this. I was out to lunch with another leader, actually two leaders who had asked me, they said, Hey, can you come in and like do a minute? These were my peers. Can you come in and do a ministry assessment of our area? Hmm. Right. I mean, like, this was, this was the outreach team eight years later. And they were like, dude, your area is moving so smoothly. Can you come in and help us? And I was like, that sounds fantastic. So we went out to lunch. We were sitting down. And this was like the pre-conversation before the meeting began, like when we were waiting for our food, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. And we had just come from one of those painful meetings. Okay? Mm -hmm. the, the, the meetings that used to cause my underwear to get into a yep, walk. Yep. Okay? And they were belly aching about that meeting. And I spent some relational chips and I said, Hey, time out real quick. Now I'm getting ready to pour into your ministry as a side player. Can I ask you a couple of questions? And I said, yeah, I said, do you have an agenda? Cause you're saying that it frustrates you this meeting. Do you have an agenda for every one of your meetings? N no. I said, do you show up on time? And are you super disciplined about having a well orchestrated like presentation for your meetings? No. I said, okay, I love you guys. You know, I love you. You have no room to talk until those things are cleaned up. Please never say that again. Mm -hmm. And this guy, he was like 20 years older than me. He said, touche, good point. And, I, and he goes, are yours? And I said, actually, yes. And that's what I'm going to teach you. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. No, that's so good. Because I think it, like you're saying with the lint picking, it's so easy to see the flaws in how others are conducting ministry or, or themselves, how they're leading. Yes. But you have to realize, oh, am I holding myself to that same standard? Right. And so how can we make sure that we're applying our standards to our own ministry and not yeah. just looking around for the, the pieces of lint to pick? Yeah. And I think we're super good at that, right? Mm -hmm. I think we're super good at that, but I shifted my focus to be very cutthroat and very, um, I scrutinized my own ministry with the same scrutiny that I was putting toward others. Mm -hmm. And that scrutiny that I was putting toward others, I'm gotta, I gotta tell you, this was an energy thing. I was spending a portion of my very own small dose of daily energy on being frustrated about somebody else's stuff. I could reapply that. And so I did. So NOPE was my first start, not our problem. It's not my problem that the youth guy, or it's not my problem that the women's ministry leader, or it's not my problem that, that, that the outreach people have a non-functioning event. Like they are botching it. At some point, 
I can't care about that. Mm -hmm. Now I do, now work with me, NOPE, that was the first step. But I had to get a little more emotionally honest. Please listener, hear me out. If you're listening to this podcast, listen to this. It was a good first step to say, nope, and to put up blinders. Not our problem. I don't care what the outreach team is botching. That's not emotionally honest. Mm -hmm. I really did care. And so I had to shift my language and say, I am concerned about many things, but I am responsible but for a few. So it came down to what can I influence and some things I just could not. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So what it sounds like, what I'm hearing you saying is that stating N-O-P-E, it allows you or allows us to place our energies positively toward what we can influence, like things under our authority, which in turn, if, again, what I'm hearing you say, brings great freedom. It brings great freedom because I'm actually in control of something. I have to tell you, like, as we're talking about this, I'm, I'm like... I'm like time warped back to sitting in those meetings and I literally felt very out of control or mm -hmm. I saw other ministry heirs jacking something up and it felt, I felt very out of control because I saw that there could, it could be better. I had no influence over that. And so I felt a sense of powerlessness, but where I found hope was I had some authority. I had some ability. It might be a, appear to be big to some, it might be a, be a, appear small to others, but if I could I can only influence my stuff, right? And mm -hmm. so it became a sense of empowered leadership rather than frustrated hopelessness. Mm -hmm. We literally would say out loud in our team, NOPE, not our problem, everyone. So as an example, we had a, a an international ministry. And I remember, I remember specifically one person got very frustrated out loud in one of our meetings and said something along the lines of, well, what in the world are they doing with? And another team member said, nope, not our problem. And so that was kind of a guiding metric that allowed us not to go down these divisive, get our underwear in a wad about some other ministry area. We can't influence that. So quit talking about that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, it acted as a team reminder. It acted as an admonition. It added some encouragement to us and it spurred us into directions that would not lead to emotional implosion. I have to say you know, really what I want and what I hope for people on the podcast, kind of as we close up, I want people to stop the mental pain of taking responsibility for things outside of your control. You're not the boss of everything. You're only the boss of some things. So make sure that your area is shining. That's it. There's great empowerment in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look, look for the gaps that you're seeing in others in yourself. Maybe yes. do a little... Uh, look in the mirror, lint picking, rather than looking That's, around for Can others. I have an amen to that? Another thing that I want to say is, man, maybe we all should unleash the power of minding our very own spiritual business. Hmm. Like, mind your own spiritual business. Like, are you literally kicking butt and taking names in your area? Well, there's some, there, there's some things that, you know, no, 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 no. I don't want excuses. Hmm. Like, are you doing what you're ticked about are you it are you doing better than them and that, that that's energy for me does mm -hmm. that make sense absolutely no i think that's a great place to leave a great thing to take into our ministry do a little self-assessment yes. of how we're doing so that we can continue to get better and grow not to shove it in the face of someone that we think no. isn't doing great and not to just ignore problems that are okay. happening but to build up our own ministry absolutely and now jeff i have to say and interrupt you right before we close here 
remember I, I, I had that experience of being super frustrated about meetings. Mm -hmm. And then eight years later, other areas were coming to me and saying, your area is shining really, really, really well. Can you teach us? Mm -hmm. The work of the diligent. The work of the diligent, right? So people mm -hmm. came to me. But here's the, here's the most interesting thing. It, this is going to be both heartening and disheartening for some people out there. It took eight years of just polishing our area before we started to have significant influence churchwide. Mm -hmm. So I just shut my mouth and focused on my area and really made it sing for eight years. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then out of the overflow of the fruit that people were seeing, then they were in a position to come and ask me how we were doing it. I, I, I said I was going to close with that story, but I got another one. <laughs> <laughs> so years ago when I was a chemistry teacher, like I was totally burdened by grading papers. It was the death of me. Mm -hmm. And so I created a very elaborate but very workable system that I could actually get every single bit of grading done in the classroom and never took any home. Well, I was so excited about this, Jeff, that I went tootling over in my youthful zeal to one of the other teachers and told them exactly how they could be as awesome as I was. Maybe not using those words, mm -hmm. but in a sense, like she was not having any of it. And I came home to my wife and I was like, man, that was rude. And my wife, who's a woman of very few words, she said, I have an idea. Why don't you just keep your mouth shut and do a good job and not have to tell her that? Mm -hmm. And if she wants to hear about it, she'll come to you, Josh. And I was like, ooh, that stings. So for the next two and a half years, I just did my own thing, right? And I was seeking to be as diligent as I could, and I cleaned up tons of things in my area. And I never forget this. We came in on a dark morning, and she was carrying a an armload of papers. And and I and she and I said, I said, hey, how are you doing? She goes, oh, I hate grading. I said, oh, I hear you. Thinking in my mind, hey, guess what, kiddo? Two years ago, I told you, two and a half years ago, I told you exactly how to not do this. Mm -hmm. And she goes, what do you do about grading? And I was like, oh, you know, I've got the, ah, perf, huh. I got this kind of system. <laughs> well, since yeah. he asked. Yeah. But I was very, very cavalier about it. I was like, ah, oh, you know, I got this kind of way of doing it that it all just kind of happens for me. And she goes, are you kidding me? Like, how? And I said, well, you know, maybe on your planning period if you want to stop by. Absolutely. So she was now in a position of hunger rather mm -hmm. than me ramming something down her throat. Absolutely. And so I think that's something that we can do for our ministry areas, right? Mm -hmm. Like focus on your deal and quit trying to tell other people or be like disheveled or ticked off that their ministry area isn't going as well as you think it should. I bet yours ain't going as well as it should. Mm -hmm. Which nobody loves to hear, but I think is a great thing to understand for our ministry to be able to humble ourselves and say, okay, maybe I do have a gap or two that need to be filled. And so if you do have a gap or two, if you'd say that in your ministry, we encourage you to check out leadvolunteers.com. We've done our best job to help fill those gaps for you. Lead Volunteers, it's a done-for-you ministry tool, masterclass that you can plug and play into your ministry to help stop the revolving door of ministry volunteers and to prevent burnout for you so you don't have to do as much of that work. And so we definitely encourage you to check out leadvolunteers.com. You can put in your email, get three free videos that'll help you start multiplying leaders within your church, something I think that we could all use during this time. And so go check out leadvolunteers.com and we'll see you back here next week for another podcast. <laughs>